and um, I will obviously be aware of the time because we've uh, got some folks that are going to be um, baptized in water. They'll be delivering a message just a little different than the way I'm going to deliver this one. They'll be delivering a message by setting an example uh, in the waters of baptism and testimony in waters of baptism this morning, and so we certainly want to leave ample time for that, but there are some important things that we're going to review and then also some important things that we're going to um, cover this morning, praise God. So First Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, it says, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, Far be it from me. For those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And the same word translated lightly esteemed is the same word translated despise. We think despise. Amen. Are you serious? Amen. Should we just, I'm not sure which one is Matt's transmitter, but should we just, because anyway. Praise God. It's kind of like it did that Wednesday night. It's going to be interesting to kind of see my reaction on the camera, right, when that happens. It's like kind of, kind of jolts you awake, amen? All right. Everybody okay? Yeah. All right. Yes. Yeah, that's, we tried that. It's, it's, a, it's an odd, odd thing. And we had to, anyway. Let me tell you what I know. And I'm not trying to spiritualize everything. But everything that's physical and visible has a spiritual, invisible root. And the devil, Jesus taught us, the devil tries to steal the word. He steals 100% of the words you never hear from you. Amen. And so, we're, praise God, I'm, we're not ignorant of the devil's devices, and we're thankful for all this technology, and, and sometimes you just get a whole lot of high-tech things in a room, you've got to uh, navigate them, and so, anyway, thank you for uh, paying attention, and hopefully that won't happen again, but amen. So, we hear despise, and we think hatred, um, but that's really not what he's talking about here. He's talking about something that is lightly esteemed, something that, that's not really that important to you. And so he's saying that those who honor me, God is saying those who honor me I will honor and those who despise me or who lightly value and esteem me, he said that he will in return lightly or, um, you know, value or esteem you, okay? So we've asked the question, does God honor everyone? And if so, does he honor everyone the same? And the answer to both of those questions is no. God does not honor everyone. He loves everyone, but he does not honor everyone. And among those that he honors, he does not honor them the same. Because honor is like mercy. God is a merciful God, but his mercy is shown to you in proportion to the mercy you show to other people. So in order to experience and enjoy mercy from God in your life, you have to Um, show mercy to other people the same is true with honor honoring God honoring God by honoring the people that God's put in your life 
is what qualifies you to be honored by God. And we've explained why that is. It, it, it's not like God's just taking his toys and going home because you won't play the way he wants you to play. That's not, what it, that's not it at all. When God honors a person, it's, it is his stamp of approval on that man or woman's life. It's something that is visible. It's something that's tangible. Very, it's something to be measured. And for God to honor someone who does not honor him would be for God to endorse that person. I'm not going to try to go too far down this road, but we see one of the ways that this plays out in people's lives is through this concept of codependency and enabling. In other words, when, when parents uh, continue to bless their children who are not, come on now, who are not listening to them, who are not obeying them, who are not doing what they should be doing, that sort of thing. Um, you see, that you're out of a line. You're out of line there because... Um, you know, the Bible says whatever a man or a woman sows, that is what they will reap. And don't be deceived, and God will not be mocked where this is concerned. But when we as parents absorb the consequences of our children's poor choices, we are violating God's law in the sense that they are sowing bad seeds and we're reaping the consequences, or at least trying to, on their behalf. So when... We talk about God honoring those who honor him. It's when you commit yourself to a life of honor, it, it puts you in a position where God can honor you. He, he wants to honor us all, but he can't honor men and women who refuse to honor him. Now, we said honor is an outward tangible expression of an inward attitude of esteem and respect. And because honor is outward and tangible... When you show honor, it's something that's outward and tangible, can be measured, which means when God honors you, it will be something outward and tangible and something that can be measured. Or let me say it another way. It's something that's visible. Amen. It's something you can see. It's something that people around you can see. You look at men and women in the Old Testament, New Testament for that matter, um, men and and women in the Bible um, who honored God that God then honored um, it was obvious. It, it, it was something that, that was to be in, in awe of. Um, how about Solomon, for an example? Uh, the, the, the queen of Sheba, you know, she had heard about God's honor upon uh, Solomon's life, but she didn't believe. She thought it was being exaggerated. And so she traveled a, a great distance to see for herself. And as she traveled back to her homeland, she said that not only was it not exaggerated that the half had not been told of the visible, tangible, measurable, verifiable honor of God upon Solomon's life. So when we talk about these things, we've got to understand a lot of the concepts that we talk about are, are spiritual, obviously have spiritual roots, and things that are spiritual in nature begin at a place that they're not visible. But as they come to the surface in our lives, this is where we see these things are not only noticeable, but become obvious. Amen? You still with me? So God honors those who honor Him, and nothing honors Him more than our trusting Him. Than our trusting Him. Now, 
I'm still doing a little bit of review here. Romans 13 and 7 instructs us to render, therefore, to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So honor is like taxes, okay? Uh, you, know, we, we, you know, we think, man, you know, acts of, let's say it this way, acts of honor are like paying taxes in the sense that they must be rendered and they must be rendered to whom they are or to whom honor is due. Now, let's go to Psalm chapter 8, Psalm 8 and verse number 1. Those of you who have taken the annual discipleship class around here, you know that these uh, verses out of Psalm 8 are some that we focus in on for at, at least two hours, maybe three hours. There's a lot here because these verses reference um, not just our existence and our creation, but the reasons for our creation and our existence. And these are purposes and reasons that a lot of people do not understand in our world today. And because they do not understand the reason for their existence, the purpose for their existence, they wind up settling for a substitute or an alternative reason, one of this world's making, one of their own choosing, or as I like to say it this way, they wind up making their lives up as they go along, as opposed to living their lives in light of the purpose and reason um, God created them. And so let's look at this because you're going to see a couple of words that are mentioned here that are extremely important as it relates to your origin. And that's, um, so let me put these on the screen. Psalm, uh, Psalm chapter 8, verse 1. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Now, obviously, we don't have three hours to teach on all of this and break it down word for word. But one of the things that we see here is that when a human being is born on this planet and opens its mouth um, to speak for the first time, those uh, first voices, those, those first uh, sounds of an infant's voice are not articulate speech. Um, uh, you know, when my children were born, they didn't come out of the womb and say, hey, hey Dad, I've, I've been excited about meeting you. Um, it was more like cries, and then comes the coos and the goos and the laughters and the sounds and, and these sorts of things. But what he's saying here is, is even the sounds coming from an infant that's still nursing, a newborn baby, um, sounds vocalized from the smallest among us as a human being strikes a chord of terror in, in, in the heart of our enemy, in the heart of, of Satan, and, and is, is, is even enough to stop him dead in his tracks. Why is that? Because another one born in the image and likeness of God has now come to live on this planet, and every human being born and living on this planet has within themselves the potential to put Satan under his or her feet has the potential to become a living nightmare for the devil. And so, again, we sometimes do not have this understanding or perspective, but we certainly see it here in Scripture. Now, verse 3, the Holy Spirit through uh, David is waxing poetic. 
When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? So, David, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I imagine him sitting with his father's sheep, strumming his harp and writing music, singing songs um, to uh, his father and creator, God in heaven. And he is considering the vastness of creation and how small a mankind is in comparison to the vastness of creation And yet, there is something about a human being that has God's attention like nothing or no one else. And this is what David is meditating upon. This is what he is considering and and what he is pondering. Not just that God is mindful of us, but that the Son of Man, right, uh, that, 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 that Jesus, obviously we know, is eventually going to become the Son of Man, but here he's talking about the offspring of a human being, that God would not only be mindful of us, but that He would come to visit us, that He wants to have interaction with us, that He, he wants to have fellowship with us. Now, here is where we get into some really important stuff as well. For you made Him, God made us, a little lower than the angels... And that word angels there in the original uh, language doesn't mean angels. And again, I don't really have the time this morning to show you all the other different places in the scriptures, but this is a poor translation. And that makes people nervous, but if you look at some more accurate translations, even literal translations of this, you see that the word translated angels here does not mean angels. The word is literally Elohim in the original language, and Elohim, every other time it's translated in the Old Testament, it's translated God, not angels. So he's literally saying that he made you and me a little bit lower than himself. Not lower than angels, but lower than God, a little bit lower than God himself. Now, if that makes you nervous, don't just write me off as being a heretic. Search the scriptures. Search other translations. Look into the original uh, language here. And to me, this is a critical uh, misstep on the part of the translators. And, And I can only imagine the reason that they choked on the uh, literal translation of this is because it doesn't on the surface seem possible. But yet this is exactly um, what it's saying, that you've been made a little lower than Elohim, than God himself. And what has God done? And you, God, have crowned us, crowned him, crowned man with glory and honor. Crowned us with glory and honor. And you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All right, now, there are certain things in the Scriptures that people conveniently ignore. And not everybody conveniently, conveniently ignores the same things, okay? Um, people have their own traditional sacred, sacred cow-type religious beliefs 
And it's kind of one of those things where, it's, don't confuse me with, with what the Bible has to say about this subject. My mind is made up. And these are areas of not just deception in a man or a woman's life, but they're areas of stronghold in men's and women's lives that are holding us back from our ability to grow and develop and mature in the things of God, not only at a proper pace, but, um, but at all. In other words, there are certain things that if you refuse to acknowledge, accept, confess, believe, to apply to you as a person, they will, they will prevent you from ever moving beyond those things in, in maturity and development. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 gives us an example of this. He talks to a group of people who had been born again, you know, saved people in the church for years and years and years. But the Bible says that they still need someone to give them milk instead of strong meat because they're still as spiritual infants even though they've been saved long enough and involved in the church long enough to be teaching and leading and serving other people. They still need somebody to serve them a bottle because they're not yet able to handle, digest, incorporate into their lives, daily walk, um, the stronger truths in the Word of God. I do not want that to be you, my friend. I do not want that to be me. I want us to grow and to develop and to mature into the things that God has created us for to grow and develop uh, and, and mature up into. And one of the new birth realities that we see in Scripture is that we were created by God to rule and to reign in life. You were created by God to have dominion. You were not created to be ruled over by devils and demons, nor were you created by God to be ruled over by the curse or by any of the consequences associated with the curse that came on this planet because of mankind's sin. You were created to have dominion. You were created by God to rule and reign over all the works of His hands. Another place says over everything that He created with His hands. And do you understand that includes angels? It also includes fallen angels. And those fallen angels we know as are, are, are devils, they're demons. And you were created to rule and reign over them. Not to be ruled over by them, but to, to, to rule and reign over them. Now, on Wednesday nights, we, we, we're in a, in, a, in a new part of a study that's been ongoing for some time now. And what we see in the book of Philemon, first chapter, verses 4, 5, and 6, is that you must acknowledge every good thing that is in you. When you were born again, Father God put some things in you. And it's important for you to know what's in you. It's important for you to acknowledge what's in you. So many of God's people have no idea what's in them. But then there are others who have read it in the scriptures, but they have yet to acknowledge what God has put in them. Again, a convenient traditional belief. Why? Why is it convenient? It's convenient because to acknowledge that it's in you means you have some responsibility to seeing that thing developed in you and, you and it becoming a part of your daily life and your daily walk. The Lord was showing me some things this week. And um, let me just, 
I, I'm, it just keeps percolating back up inside of me. And um, I learned in the Old Testament the word prophecy and prophesy. It, it means to percolate. It means to bubble up from a deeper place inside. And um, if you've ever paid attention to some of the memorabilia on the table in the back, Sister Susan Godwin, uh, years ago, um, she got me one of those old-fashioned coffee pots that percolate coffee, and uh, she put a little stick in it, and it says, Our pastor is perkin. Amen. And, and, that, and that was the reference there, that it's percolating. And, and um, so it, it, this has been percolating in me all week, and it just keeps percolating up in that. You know, have you ever watched your grandparents perk? We can see, I have a Keurig. Anybody know what Keurig is? I mean, you put this little pod in there, you close the lid, you push a button, and you go do whatever else while it makes the coffee. But my, uh, my grandparents had a percolator, and you put the coffee in there, and then as the heat hits it, it starts to bubble up, and you got that little, little glass in the top where you can see it, right? And so it's percolating up to the point that I feel like somebody in here needs to see what's percolating, all right? Do you, do you remember... In the Gospels, how many times Jesus told his disciples that he was going to be crucified, that he would be buried, and for them not to stress over it because he would be raised from, from the dead three days later. He told them that precisely, exactly. He told them that um, using examples. As Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so I will be in the belly of the earth, heart of the earth, three days, three nights, but as Jonah came forth after three days and three nights from the belly of the fish, I will come forth after three days and three nights from the belly of the earth. Anybody remember any of this? Anybody remember reading any of this, right? He talked about, uh, he said, he said, my body will be like this temple, right? It'll be tore down, but in three days, I will raise it up again. And then he just told him in plain speech, look at me, look in my eyes, I am going to die. I am going to suffer. It is not going to look good, guys. Don't be phased by it. It has to happen. I will be buried. I will be dead for three days. One, two, three days. Count them. But on the third day, I will be raised from the dead again. Do not let your heart be troubled. He's telling them over and over and over again. Do you guys nobody heard it? Nobody heard it. He's dead, and what are they doing? It's over. Oh, my God, it's over. Jesus, why did you, why'd you let him kill you? Know, they, they just, they're acting like he never said a single thing about it. Man, I read that, and I, I listen now, Lord, see, he knows you. He sees you, right? I read that, and I'm like, how could y'all be so silly? How could y'all not see that? How, why did you? Why were you not expecting him to, to, to come up from the grave, right? You know what the Lord started doing with me? He started reminding me of all the things he has said in no uncertain terms concerning me and my life, right? That we don't hear, that I don't hear, that I pretend like you never said. Right? You still with me? How about this? By his stripes you were healed. See, religion tells you that's not what that means, Pastor Mark. I guess that's what they thought about all that Jesus said about his death, burial, and resurrection, right? That's, not, that's really not what he means. No, that's exactly what he meant. As he is, so are you in this world. 
Do you realize how many of God's children just pretend like the Bible doesn't even say that? How about this? The works that I do, you'll do also, and even greater works because I go to my Father. We're like looking around trying to see who he's talking to. Or what he's talking about. Well, that's not what that means. That's exactly what it means. That's exactly what it means. He said you would cast out demons. He said you would speak in unknown tongues. He said you would lay your hands on the sick and the sick would recover. See, it's so easy to look at at the disciples and say, how did you let all that sail right over your head? And yet we're letting so many of the things that God said about you and me, new birth realities in our lives, let them sail right over our heads. Thank you for those amens. Praise God. So he made you and me a little lower than himself. He crowned us with glory and honor. Guess what? It means what you think it means. To be crowned. Can I tell you what it was? Can I tell you what it was? We have a word for it in our English language. Are you ready? It was a coronation. When the creator of this earth did what he did in the Garden of Eden and then created you and me on the sixth day, right? He then crowned us. He put a crown on our heads. Not a crown of gold and diamonds and rubies like you would see uh, an ornate crown on an earthly king's head okay he put a crown on your head and on my head right that was far far more priceless and precious and precious than something made of gold with jewels and diamonds on it okay he crowned you with his glory and he crowned you with his honor what happened we sinned Adam sinned. Romans 3 is very clear. When we sin, what do we do? We dishonored God, we dishonored ourselves, we dishonored our bodies, and we fell short of the glory. We didn't measure up to the crown that God created us to wear. So what did God do? Did God say, well, just forget that then, we'll just do something else? No. He always intended for His children to wear a crown of glory and honor. So he he sent Jesus to this earth to get our crown back. Is anybody listening to me this morning? He sent Jesus to get your crown back so that you could once again be crowned with His glory and with His honor. You were created for glory and honor. And you will never be satisfied in life without it. You were created for glory and honor. And you will never be satisfied in life without it. So what do we do? We have, a, we have an appetite for these things. We're going to have to pick some of this up next week because we're fixing to baptize some folks, okay? Um, not yet, Pops. I'll give, you the, I'll give you the go in just a sec, all right? But. hardwired into every human being that will ever live on this planet. I'm going to use this word, and it's, it's an important word. We have an appetite 
Do you understand appetite? You, we have a hunger. We, ha, we have a desire inside of us. But when I say appetite, it's more than just wanting something. We, something in us longs for it. Something in us um, is, is not comfortable, is not satisfied without glory and honor. And so what do we do to try to satisfy this appetite, this hunger, this inward desire for glory and honor? We try to find it from other sources. We, we try to, we, we try to, to satisfy that hunger. We try to feel that need. We try to scratch that itch for honor and glory by finding it in other ways. What does that look like? It looks like trying to get other people to recognize us. To try and get other people to affirm us. Are you hearing me this morning? Can I, can I break it down to its very barest bones expression? We seek attention. We seek attention. And some folks say, oh, no, 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 not, not, not me, Pastor Mark. I, I don't want any attention. See, what you don't realize is, I don't know what it was. If you, if you spent an hour or two with me in counseling, I could help you understand. We get to the bottom of it. Lord, it'll help us, okay? But, but there are a lot of folks who get their attention by being the one that says, I don't want any attention. <laughs> See, we, <laughs> ah, praise God, right? See, I know you because I know me. Listen to me. We, we hunger for glory and honor. And so try to get it from other people. Recognition, affirmation, just plain old attention. Right? Let's go back to those babes and nursing infants. Samuel David knows how to get our attention. Right? He knows how to get it. He learned that pretty quick. Amen. You say, well, Pastor Mark, that's just probably because he's hungry or sleepy or needs his diaper changed or whatever. Again, looking for somebody else to notice you, looking for somebody else to do something for you, looking for somebody else to help you, excuse me, in some capacity, in some way. Never underestimate the influence your desire for honor can have on your choices and actions. It's at the root of all peer pressure and at the root of all people pleasing. It's at the root of all peer pressure and it's at the root of all people pleasing. John Mark, if you would come. Um, Pops, if you'd go get the youngins. Amen. I'll close us out in prayer from the baptistry here in just a, a moment. I've been pastoring a long time. And let me tell you what I've experienced. A lot of the decisions, you still got, I still got your attention? See, here I go. I'm looking for some attention, right? <laughs> a lot of the decisions... If, if not all of the decisions in our lives that we regret the most 
were decisions that we made, choices that we made to satisfy, please um, somebody else, to be accepted, to be, to be looked upon favorably by other people. Think about it for a minute. Do you realize how many people start an addiction journey? Not because they set out to go get drunk on a Friday night in high school, but they did it because they wanted to be on the in crowd. They wanted to fit in. See, we were created for glory and honor, and that's a part of that appetite for those things. Is that making sense to you? Amen. All right. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, amen. We are looking for our baptismal candidates. Amen. Okay, what I'll do? Well, here they come. All right. So I'm going to take a moment. I'm obviously not going to get these clothes wet, so I'm going to change clothes. And um, ladies on this side, use the inside door. And I'm looking for our, our male candidate. I don't see him. That's all right. Guys on this side, I use the inside door. Praise God.